Thank you. Thank you. If you would, turn into your Bibles to Romans 8. Romans 8. We're going to start in verse 31. Romans 8, verse 31. If you have it, say, I got it. If you don't, I'll wait. So I was, okay, I was about to say, I guess I got to wait. <laughs> All right, here we go. Starting at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is him who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercessions for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Before we proceed, I uh, was remiss in some of my duties. Uh, first, let me introduce you to my wife, uh, Stacia. We've been married, what, 19 years? It'll be 20 years this year. Right, and uh, she was she was the one who told me that I would be doing this in, uh, uh, years ago when I was telling her she married the wrong person, uh, so she won. Uh, next to her is my daughter; she's our oldest, sixteen-year-old uh, Kaylin, and and next to her is our youngest, my son Joel; he's twelve years old. And he's trying to tell everybody he's 13, but his birthday is in October. So he's, he's just solid 12. He's a solid 12. <laughs> All right. Okay, so what I want to talk to you guys this morning, I want to talk to you about the love of God. Now, here's the deal with me. Talking about the subject of the love of God is it's so broad. It's, 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 it's hard to scratch the surface. So I'm going to attempt to scratch a little bit more of the surface of the subject of the love of God. Um, and like most uh, preachers, we like to name our messages. And uh, so I want to name this because it helps me to remember what I'm talking about. And it hopefully it gives you an idea of what we're going to be talking about this morning, all right? So I want to give you a little story on how I came up with this name. So when we're talking about this passage and we're talking about the love of God, uh, I could have easily just said the love of God and titled it that, but it... I mean, it sounds like a series to me. And since I'm, not, I'm only here this Sunday, I'm not doing a series. We've got to get it all in today. We've got to get it all in today, all right? And so I said, well, I don't want to go with the love of God. Let's, all right, let me try another name. How about the transcendent love? Now, his love is above everything. It rises above everything. And I said, you know what? Yeah, it's true, but it didn't have that little oomph that I like. So uh, I can... 
I came, I, a, a name or a, an actual um, a person came in mind that I know it had to be God because I hadn't thought of this person in many, many, many years. And it was one of my high school math teachers. And when she would, she has this little phrase that she would always say uh, throughout her class throughout the year. And in the midst of all of our oohs and ahs when she's giving us homeworks or quizzes that, you know, we're moaning and groaning, she would always say in a little high-pitched voice, that's a lot of love. Mm-hmm, baby. That's a whole lot of love. So this morning's message is going to be, that's a whole lot of love. Mm-hmm, baby. That's a whole lot of love. <laughs> So I want uh, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's giving them encouragement. Paul has now just opened the church's eyes to the grace of God. He's 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 gone to the depths of explaining what real salvation is, and he's gone through and he's just really unfolding the word of God like no one has ever seen before, no one has ever read. The book of Romans is still recognized as one of the most technical books in the Bible. And sometimes, I know at least when I first started reading the Bible, when I got to Romans, I was like, I don't know what I just read. And I had to go back and read it again and again and again and again. I still don't have it yet, but I'm, I, I get a little bit more each time I read it. And I come to realize that it is so deep and so rich that we have a lot that we can learn in just this one book. And so he starts off in, in verse 31, and he begins to talk about this love of God. But one thing I, I said, you know, when you talk about the Bible, it's not broken up in the ways that we're accustomed to, the way we know, you know, in chapters. Uh, they wrote these are actual letters. These are actual letters. And in these letters, man had put the division or the separation. So I want to go back a couple of verses to chapter uh, to verse 28, and where he says, "And we know all things work together for the for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, who." Whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. The point I, I want you to get from just that little passage, God has everything under control. When it comes to you, people around you, people you don't like, people you do like, God has it all under control. And this is the frame of mind Paul starts off with. This is what the perspective he's coming from when he says, what then shall you say to these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? This, this is when he makes that statement, he is now about to revolutionize all of those readers' minds. When we talk about the love of God, there are certain things that we must understand that it now breeds a new perspective on way, the way we look at life. Uh, uh, last month, I shared with our Wednesday night uh, group, and we were talking about drawing near to God. And as you begin to draw near to God, one of the things that you 
can't help but to realize is that God loves you so much. His love for you goes beyond you. It goes beyond uh, your thinking. It goes beyond your understanding of what real love is. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? He's offering, what he's, what he's telling us is that we now, in God's love, have protection. There is nothing that can come against us. We are his chosen. Uh, my wife used to always say when somebody uh, uh, crossed her, she said, they don't know whose child I am. You don't, you don't know whose child I am. I'm, 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 I'm a child of God. There's no one who can come against me. There's no one who can come against what God has ordained in my life. And that's what I'm offering to you. There's, there's nothing, nothing that can come against you. You know, we live a life, and some, we have our ups and downs, our ebbs and flows. We have the, the different people saying negative things about us. They say uh, 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 th things that can be hurtful. But we come to a point where we have to realize that we are children of God, and his love covers us. His love protects us. His love strengthens us. In Isaiah 54, 17, it says, Gossip, lying, and criticism against God's child may for a moment seem to destroy but God will use this for our good. It may hurt when we go through the things that we go through. It may sting a little bit, but it, and, and it may, like it says here, it may seem to destroy. It's all about perspective. It may seem to destroy, but God will use it for our good. If we move on to verse 32, he gives us a promise that we need to remember, that we need to take a part, uh, take hold of. He says, uh, who, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not do with him also freely give us all things? Think about what he's just said to, to us. He said that he gave his son for all of us. He not, not only did he just give his son, he gave his very best for our sake. Now, I'm talking to parents right now. If you had to uh, give your children up to save us, how many of you would be able to do that? Yeah, y'all can be honest with me. Come on, we, it's just us. Come on. What would you do? Would you, do, would you be able to do it? I'm going to tell you, y'all in a world of trouble if it was up to me. <laughs> I can't give now. I, I, I may be hard on my kids, but I ain't giving them up for, for anyone else. These are mine. But God gave up his only begotten son for you and I. You and I who would turn our back on him. You and I who would uh, at times curse him. You and I who would not have faith in him. He gave up his very best so that he can save us. He gave us a promise. He says when, when Adam and Eve uh, uh, fell from grace and the sin and entered into the world and there was this chasm that was between us and God, God had a promise from the beginning that he would be able to redeem us back to him. And that redemption came through the blood of his only begotten son. He gave his very best so that you and I could commune with him. That's a beautiful thing. That's a promise that we can all stand on and live on and, and have our life and being upon, right? And then we go on to verse 33 and 34. Who shall bring a charge against him, God's elect? 
It is God who justifies. Who is he whom condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? You know, when we talk about what God has done for us, we neglect to remember that we were all destined for death. Apart from God, we were destined for death. I'm smiling not because I'm sick and sadistic because I'm talking about death. I'm smiling because we've been redeemed. We've been given a pardon. We just had the, the president, uh, uh, President Obama, before he left out of the uh, White House. He, well, he set a record, one. He gave so many pardons out. People who were incarcerated, who were jailed, who were in prison. And he gave them a pardon so that they may be free. Grasp that. Jesus died on the cross so that we can have a pardon, so that we can be free. We're no longer bound by sin. We are no longer bound by the enemy's uh, holds. We're no longer kept uh, uh, in, a, in a place where we cannot be in the, in the same building or the same presence of God. We've been set free. We've been released. That should be enough to get us going around running and shouting, right? Right? I, I, now, I'm trying to tell you, this is what I'm trying to That's a shouting verse. Now, I'm not asking you to shout. I'm just telling you, I recognize a shouting verse when I see one. That's a shout. We've been set free. We've been uh, let loose. We are no longer being held. We're not in chains. We're not uh, uh, being uh, uh, um, held with, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Somebody try. We're not in bondage anymore. That wasn't a word, but that was a good one, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that wasn't a word. We're no longer living in condemnation. We have been set free. You know what? I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I just want everybody to count to three at the top of your voice to just shout, Thank you, Jesus. All right? One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. We've been set free. We've been set free. The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. We get this from Romans 10, 9 and 10. Whoever believes in his name, he will have everlasting life. John 3, 16, the most famous verse in the world. He rejects none who come to him. Anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be set free. You're saved. You've been redeemed. You've been restored. All that you, will lo you have lost will be given back to you and more. That's the God we serve. That's a lot of love. Mm-hmm, baby. That's a whole lot of love. In verse 35, he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul goes on to list all of these different things because these are the things that we let us feel like we're not loved by God. 
We let these things allow us to feel that we're not a child of God. Why is everybody talking about me? Why are they always against me? Persecution. That's, and we begin to feel like, okay, well, God can't be on my side. How many of you, if you I don't know how many of you have an evangelistic uh, bend on you and you're talking to someone and they say, well, how can you believe in God when there's so much pain in the world? That's an excuse. We're going to let persecution Determine if God loves me or not? We can't let it. He said, that's what Paul says. He said, we cannot let this uh, separate us. This will not separate us. He goes on. He says, uh, uh, tribulation, the ups and downs of life. That's life. Life happens. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. When people say, when, when, people say bad, when bad things happen that God doesn't love them, then when good things happen, who do you, who do you think then? Are you thanking God then? If God is in control of everything, he knows the good and the bad that's going to happen in your life. But what's so unique about God is that he can take that bad and make it for our good. Man, I wish I was that good. Because <laughs> I had a lot of bad. But I don't know how to make it good for me. Only God knows how to do that. He said, will you let distress, will you let famine Oh, why? How can you believe in God when there's people in Africa starving? That still doesn't change the fact that he exists. That still doesn't change the fact that even in their starvation, they have an opportunity to come to know the love of God. Nakedness, peril, sword. We talk about war, you know, war after war. Revelation is talking about the, uh, uh, the prophesying about wars and, and talks of wars. None of those things separates us from the love of God. And we have to keep that in mind. And I know it's easier said than done that when, like, when you're going through things and you, you're in the midst of it and you're in the thick of it, it's hard to think that way. Say, oh, yeah, 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 God still loves me even though I'm going through this. But you got to remember that he does. He loves you. He cares for you. He's working on your behalf even in the midst of all of those things. He's working for you. And now that's unique. Because you, when you think about it, you mean to tell me that the God of the universe who created all things, who, who can speak life, he's working for me? Yeah, he's working for you, not as an employee, but as a good leader. Because a good leader will work some things out for his people. He will go ahead of them and make the way straight. That's what our God does, right? That's what our God does. He goes and makes a way straight for us. We'll, we will permit the, these things to separate us from God if we don't remember that God loves us. Talk to parents again. When we're disciplining our children, in that moment, for that child, it may seem like we don't love them. But because we love them, we discipline. And that's sometimes what happens with us. God may be disciplining us, and it feels like he doesn't love us. But because he loves us, he disciplines us. He lets the consequences of our decisions 
take its place, take its role. You know, if I uh, eat hamburgers and french fries every day, God has not stopped loving me because he let me gain weight. That's just the consequences of me eating hamburgers and french fries every day. That's the consequence. Everyone, everyone uh, tends to make the mistake of, of the consequence is God punishing me. No, that's not what it means. It's just the consequence. It's just if, if, if oxygen is depleted from the world, I'm going to die. That's what's going to happen. It doesn't mean that God stopped loving me. And that's what I want to encourage with you guys with is that no matter what's going on, one thing that you can bank on that is that God loves you. The one thing you know for sure is that God loves you. You can lose everything. But rest assured that God loves you. Amen. Is that all right? Is that all right? All right. Great. Moving on to verse 30, uh, 36. Another benefit that God gives us is that he prophesies to us. Paul writes, he says, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, yes, the enemy is going to be uh, what, how, how does the word go? The, the, uh, the enemy goes about seeking who he may devour. God knows that the enemy is doing these things. But the sheep, what does the sheep do? It only follows the voice of the shepherd. And if you lose the hearing of the father or the shepherd, you end up straying away. And that's where the enemy is looking for that weak one, that one that's set, set alone, that's by itself. And the enemy is trying to get to them. But, it, but here, here's, where, here's the good part. Here's the good part. Even in the midst of all of that, even if you get a drift, uh, you drift away, if just for a moment you hear the Father call your name, just a small, still voice, where, where am I? How did I get over here? You still have an opportunity to come over and be with the rest of them. Because even though we're taking an in as for the slaughter, God is still working on our behalf again. He's still finding a way to show us how that we can be brought back to him. He's still saying, I am calling on you. I am shepherding you. If you will allow my voice to come into your ear, if you will allow my voice to guide you and bring you back to me, I guarantee you that you will not be succumbed by the enemy. That's good news, that we can make mistakes. Not And see, here's the thing. People, we say we make mistakes, and, and then you feel like you're less than a Christian. No, it's not the making of mistakes. It's the practice of the same mistake. We're going to make mistakes. We're still human. We still uh, uh, will fall short of the glory of God, but we are so grateful that God has opened a door that we can always come back to him. And that is through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, uh, 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 no, for the scriptures tell us that for his sake, we must be ready to face every death at every moment of the day. We are like sheep awaiting slaughter. 
uh, LB, he says, our adversary, uh, 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 we read that one in First Peter 5, 3, he who may devour. He's saying to us that we must be ready to face death at any moment, at any time in our life. Doesn't mean that God has stopped loving us. It doesn't mean that we, we always equate that God's love means we won't have any problems. That's a wrong perception. It is we have to understand that even in the midst of our problem, God is with us. God is encouraging us. He's putting people into our lives that will be able to speak into our lives to build us up when we feel like our faith is waning away, when we feel like we can't make it, when we feel like it's just getting short. He is always with us every step of the way, encouraging and loving on us. And in a way, only he can do it. In a way, only he can do it. Uh, verse 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love this particular verse because this verse speaks about power. God has given us power. It says that we are more than conquerors. I want you to get this. Get this. It is, it is not that you're just conquerors. It's that you're super conquerors. Okay, y'all get this. It's not that you just will overcome. You go beyond overcoming. Uh, so I am a nerd. Uh, so I like watching sci-fi stuff. And, uh, and so we've seen a lot of the Avenger movies. And you see the superheroes, uh, those who have extreme strength or whatever, and good, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they are supernatural. They are super strong. They are super smart. You, you are super conquerors. You are, uh, you are greater than the normal conquerors. Yet these people, they overcame, but you are the ones who are going to overcome and continue to overcome. In, the, in spite of what you see, you will continue to overcome more than what other people will expect. Philippians talks about us being a peculiar people. This is one of those things. Somehow they keep coming up on top. We do everything we can to go against them, and they still continue to come up on top. It's not of our own skill. It is through Christ who strengthens us that we are being more than overcomers, that we're more than super conquerors. I don't, I don't know like I don't know about y'all, but I, I feel like I can put the big S on my chest. You know, when I feel confident, I said, all right, God, all right, I'm putting on the suit. I need you to come in and help me on this one. <laughs> we, need, we need super conquerors, right? <laughs> so I want you to be encouraged today that you are more than just conquerors. Don't look at life, okay, I made that one. No, you got God on your side. He's going to do more than you can even ask or think. He's going to excel where you feel like it should stop or where you feel like your ability limits you. He's going to take you even beyond that. We got an awesome God. I don't know about y'all. We, we got an awesome God. All right? Let's just talk about here, uh, uh, John 16, 33, Christ overcame the world. Don't fret, because I have overcome the world. That's the power that rests on the inside of us. It says, a practice we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You're overcoming. 
the plan. Uh, if we are born of God, we will overcome the world. You're overcoming. The, the, uh, another promise of power. Overcomers will live with him. We can be conquerors through the power he gives us. These are verses that just continues to reassure us that there is power on the inside of us. That there is power that in, in, despite what's in front of us, how difficult it may seem, he can still work through us. Have you ever been in a situation where people come to you and they ask you the question and you have no clue what to, how to answer or how to even fix it, but all of a sudden, I don't know, you know what I mean, if the anointing falls on you or, or, or you know, the, the light bulb comes on, but all of a sudden you just start talking and it makes sense and it fixes the problem and you have no idea where it came from? Okay, that's overcoming power right there. I need you to see that. That's overcoming power because that is God working through us. I don't know how many times, uh, 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 well, prior to September before I came on staff, uh, I was an engineer for 20 years. And there were a lot of times that I was sitting there and people would talk and start asking me questions, and I had no clue. I didn't have any books to refer to because... I lost some of my books. Uh, but all of a sudden, I was just under my breath say, God, I need your help in this. And I'll just, well, if we look at this and start, and then I'll see something that I didn't see before. Hmm, how did that happen? I think it was the Spirit of God opening my eyes so that I could see. I've looked at this over and over and over. I had no clue. But as soon as I breathe under my breath a prayer to God to come and step in on this situation, all of a sudden, I started seeing things I wasn't seeing before. I started saying things I had no idea I knew. <laughs> I started doing things. And in that whole process, I come to learn that God is with me no matter what. And he opens, and he, he, he can't only do that for me, because he will be my God. But my God, I believe, is our God, right? So I mean, if he does it for me, then I know he's going to do it for you. I know that he's going to endow you with this type of power. And I just need you to remember that, because life does get hard. It does get hard. Life does throw curveballs. Uh, and, and sometimes we just don't know what to do about those situations. But if we look to him, Proverbs says, if we lean on to him, in all our, uh, acknowledge him in all our ways, that he will give us uh, direction. He will guide us. It is God who will give us the answers we need. It is God who will give us the peace that we need. It is God who will give us the direction we need. And that's a busy God. Because I'm a firm believer that all the Christians on the wor in the world are not just in here. And if he's doing that for all of us, that's a mighty God. That's a mighty God. Moving on to verse 38 uh, and 9a. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. 
can separate us from his love. Paul is speaking, he uses the word persuaded, but I'm going to use convinced. When you're convinced, nobody can tell you nothing. Even if you're wrong. Let's be honest. Even when you're wrong, if you're convinced about it, no one can tell you anything. That's what Paul is saying here. He says, I am convinced that none of these things can separate us from the love of God. Not death, not life, not the angels, not the demons, any kind of power, nothing, not even you. David writes in Psalms, he says, where can I go to escape your love? I can go to the high heavens and your love is there. I can go to the depths of Hades and your love is there. Where can I go? Even when we're wrong, God's love is still with us. There's nowhere you can go that his love isn't with you. I, I, I often uh, think about how uh, the older gentlemen uh, used to say uh, back in the 80s and 90s how, uh, you know, be careful where you go. You don't want to grieve the spirit, you know. Don't grieve the spirit where you're going, in the places you go. And, yeah, you grieve the spirit, but his love is still there with you. Disappointed? Yes. But still loving? Yes. His love is always with us, and Paul is convinced of this. Anybody know the life of Paul and all of the things that he experienced and where he came from being a, a Pharisee of Pharisees and wanting to kill Christians to having the, the Damascus Road experience and then all of a sudden his life has changed and he is now one of the front runners, if not the front runner of the Christian faith and going around preaching the gospel to any and everyone, getting beat, getting uh, imprisoned. He's going through all of these things because of that that's Damascus Road experience and now because not only because of that experience but because now he's convinced that Jesus is the way that Jesus is the only begotten son of God that Jesus is the restoration uh, a mechanism that we can now be ch called children of God he was convinced are you convinced of your Jesus are you convinced that he died for you are you convinced that he loves you are you convinced of all of these things that Paul is convinced of because this is going to be the indicator of how you walk out your Christian faith how convinced are you it makes a world of difference if you understand how convinced you can be. And then in verse 39b, he speaks of provision. He says, uh, it, it's a continuation, so I'm going to go dot, 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 shall be able to separate us. What can be, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Nothing will be ab able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. Jesus knew the whole time he was going to the cross. He did not know uh, the day at the time specifically, but he knew he was going to the cross. 
He knew it was as simple as to say, I'm not going. And the rest of us would not have received uh, redemption. He knew that everything that he was going to go through to the point of going to the cross. He knew that he was going to take lashes. He knew that he was going to hang on the cross. He knew that the nails were going to go through uh, his wrists and his feet. He knew all of those, all of those things, and yet he still went. I'm not going to say the whole phrase, but that's a lot of love. As selfish as you and I are, we would go, uh, as soon as they got to the, that first lash, oh, okay, guys, I got to take this on yourself. I can't take no more of this. <laughs> There's no more hidden for me. But he took them all. Didn't waver. Now, he did ask God if, you can pass this, if this cup could pass him. But God said no. And he went forward. How much love can one person have for us? That's, that's, that's a whole lot of love. That was the provision that God gave us through Christ Jesus. I'm going to share uh, some lyrics to an old <laughs> R&B song in the 80s. I know y'all saying, wait, you know, R&B song at church? I'm just going to tell you the lyrics, and you'll get the point. You'll get the point. <laughs> it's a, it, it, it was a song, it was called, I Never Knew Love Like This. And uh, the, the, I guess the hook would go, I've been missed before, but I never knew love like this. I've been kissed before, but I never knew love like this. I had lots of loving, but I never knew love like this. Now, he could have been talking about any kind of love, but the point I'm trying to make to you is that you've been missed before, but you never knew love like this. You've been kissed before, but you've never known love like this. You've, been, uh, you've had lots of loving, but you've never known love like this, a love that will continue to love you in spite of you, a love that will love you uh, uh, even when you are wrong, a love that will love you even when you turn your back on him, a love that will love you because you are needed that love, a love that will that love you no matter what the situation is, he continue to love you. And you can say this with me if you remember the title. Let's do the title, y'all. That's a whole lot of love. Mm-hmm, baby. That's a whole lot of love. <laughs> and so I, 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 I want you to really take this home with you, and that is that God has more than enough love for each and every one of us. And I don't want anyone to leave here today feeling like they're less than, they don't deserve it, because it's not your decision to, de to determine if you deserve it. Only one, the one who gives the love determines who deserves it. And so he freely gives us that love, and I want you to freely accept that love. 
Because that love will encourage you. It will embolden you. It will strengthen you. When you begin to understand how much he really loves you, life begins to take on a whole different persona for you. Amen. Amen.